Wow, look at this. this is What's amazing. going on? Um, da, da. <laughs> Welcome back to episode three of Can You Keep da, a Secret? Da, da. Tom Garrity and John King bring you dynamic interviews with local Twin Cities celebrities. Wow. <laughs> How are you? I understand. Uh, What's your week? How's your weekend getting started? Did you have? I got fun? a bunch of shit to do for Gina. <laughs> what are you, what are you um, gonna, yeah, you going I don't know. We got do holiday stuff. I think a little bit today. It's really nice here. I mean, it's not. I mean, it's cold, but it's like sunny out at least. I don't mind that. That's good. <laughs> and then I made some turkey bacon. How, how's turkey bacon? Good. I don't know. It's kind of bland. So, so uh, let's just. So we're gonna. This is gonna be Ryan Carter. And yep. my my take on carts was uh no. as far as I'm concerned, any interview where you're referencing eating uh rabbit uh, is probably I think rabbit. that's kind of our our niche. Okay. Uh, what did you think of carts? Are we rolling right now? Yeah. Oh we're so you're gonna edit this all right. I don't want this. This isn't good banner. I would never this isn't I wouldn't put this in. I, I part of what we need to do is make you look good, Tom. So this would never make it. Yeah. Oh, when are you going to start doing that? Well, okay. So what? Go ahead. Say check one, two, three. Check. Check one. Check. Check. Uh, Ryan Carter. What did you think? Do you remember when we talked to him? I think it was in like uh, February. Do you remember uh, what do you, What do you think of Carts? What was your I take like on him? Yeah. I, I, I like him a lot. He's a good guy. I met him. Well, back uh, at a concert, a rock and roll concert at yep. Target Field, uh, we were both guests of um, a person, and we ran into each other. Met him there, and um, through you, I've kind of bounced into him a few times. Like him, like him a lot. Big fan. Yeah, I I thought his story was. Uh, I mean, to kind of not have the he doesn't have the hockey name. He didn't. He wasn't kind of a pedigree kid. And he kind of came up like this mutt and I guess some junior coach just told him, told him how to play. And he just followed it to the letter of the law and he ends up, you know, Stanley cup champion. We well, should give that coach some cash. Yeah. It was funny when I first, when actually, when I first met him, we were chatting and, and I asked him what he had done or what he was doing. And then he told me, and then I said, Oh, what'd you do before that? And he goes, I was a player. And I said, where? And he goes for the wild. <laughs> and I said, Oh, sorry. The Minnesota Wild. <laughs> uh, what I like about him is I think um, he could be a great color guy. I think I think yeah. he could. He, if he really kind of, I had the pleasure of uh, um, doing a little bit of. I was in. I was. In, I've been inside the White Bear Bar in the last couple of months with Ryan Carter, and if if uh, if he could bring his his White Bar um, persona into the booth. I think that's a, that's, that's a guy who might do that job for a long time. Um, yeah. but no, I, I liked it. He was a good, good conversation. What yeah, else? Was. You? How do you, how do Nothing. you think the podcast is going so far? What are your, what are your thoughts? Uh, I don't know. I've had a couple of buddies ask me if I had quit my day job yet, which I don't think was very positive, but I, I've enjoyed it. I mean, you know, it's like anything. Um, it's a process, you know, as I say, John, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And so I think we'll get better and better and better at this as now that we're office together and doing, you know, more of this stuff, I think we'll get better and better, but it's been fun. I think the guests have been really good. And how about you? What'd you think? Yeah, I think it's, it's been fun. I, I look forward to the hardest part is getting the, 
getting the hit list of guests, you know, people you want to talk to and, and still playing in your lane where people know what the podcast is supposed to be about. Um, so I, I think getting some, getting some female guests on here, getting into different zones, music, culture, and just, I think just keeping, keeping it interesting will be important. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And like I said, I mean, you know, the people that we've had so far have been fun and I think that's what we want to do is try to have, have fun with it. And, uh, it'll get more and more zany and crazy as we evolve in our guest and what we're trying to do. So I'm, do I'm want, encouraged by it. Do you want me to cut out the part where you said zany as well? Or I don't, I just want to make sure. Do you want that in? Fuck, why don't you fuck yourself? <laughs> <laughs> All right. You can keep that part in. <laughs> this is episode three of can you keep a secret? Ryan Carter. I, I get to do these little intros carts. I'm pretty proud of them. Uh, I, so give me a minute here. I'm going to wind you up. You ready? This is going to be yeah. you. Okay. It took the Lord six days to make everything. It took Ryan Carter four games to get his name engraved on the Stanley cup, Stanley cup champion, Mr. Mankato, almost 500 games played 93 points, 444 PIMS. Bronze medalist at the world championship, Mr. Hockey finalist, White Bear Lake resident and resident color guy, Ryan Carts Carter. Does that sound, is that all accurate? That is all accurate, but you, you do a good job of making a very average stat line sound impressive. <laughs> um, we're going to start, we're going to focus on, um, you live on uh, one of the nicest golf courses in, in um, the state of Minnesota. No would, doubt. You say, would you say it's a diamond in the rough? <laughs> I would say it's a gem in the rough. Yes. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about gem Lake. I, last time I saw you, I mean, this is, you're at the cup and cone wearing a gem Lake golf hat that looks like it's straight out of Bushwood, uh, Caddyshack. <laughs> Talk a little bit about gem Lake and having property right butting up on one of the, the par fours even, I think, right. You're on a par yeah. four. So I grew up, uh, I learned the game of golf on that course. Um, and when I grew up, there was nothing here, but field. And, um, the, the story goes that there was horses that, that they had around here. Hillary farm, um, is the name of the neighborhood now, but, uh, we used to sit on the tee box there of number 11, right out my window as I point. Um, and I would just launch driver. Like we'd look for golf balls just to launch driver as hard as we could into the weeds, see how far we could hit it in there. Um, so as we're digging my foundation here, I was like, man, I bet you there's a chance I pumped a few of these golf balls that we're turning over right into the land here. But, um, no, it's great. Um, I I love it because it reminds me of me and and who I grew up. It's not, um, gem Lake. It's, it's, it's really nice for what it is. It's not prestigious. It's not pretentious. Like you go out there, you play, if you want to wear a tank top and cut off jean shorts, you're welcome to. Um, I mean, you, got for le- you, King. <laughs> you, you got an old leather bag, uh, whatever, you know, maybe an old dusty pole cart. Um, that's what people, that's what people like there. Like you get, you get pole cart envy more than you get anything else out there. I, well, you know, I live in Stillwater and maybe a comparable course, which is my favorite. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to play at the, the, the luxurious Applewood next to Kazi's, which is, my to-go-to course. It Have is. you ever and played Applewood? 
I have played Applewood and um, to tie this all together, uh, both those courses are owned by Wilson golf group and uh, a kid I played high school hockey with Matt Greer manages both courses. He married into the Wilson family. Uh, now nice. he manages both courses. So uh, they are in the same family, Applewood and Gem Lake. I think they do a good job servicing that, that segment of golfers that aren't too serious. Want to get out and play nine, maybe 18 holes, but um, maybe don't want to have to buy some foot joys to do it. But yeah, my, 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 my whole thing is really quick is we, we usually start to play nine and I start with a huge double Bombay and tonic, and then we get a <laughs> bag of Coors lights. And the, by the turn, we usually say, let's get another nine. And then we, you know, we finish up there. Um, and it ends up being pretty much a wasted next day. <laughs> well golf will do that to you. you you always think that uh the game will turn around after the next beer there's no question about that yeah i i love i love jim and it, there's nothing that'll teach you from 150 in short game greens if you're good at jim lake you are good at golf right i, I love jim so just give me a little wind up on um cup and cone 617 tallies white bear bar aqua if you only got three to put on the podium for White Bear Lake, someone that doesn't know your community and you want them to hit three places in the bear, what makes the podium? Could be something I didn't mention too. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, hold on. Let's, let's get nostalgic on this. Do you remember like beeline and spur and all those spots? I'm too, I'm too new. I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to think what I saw opening. John's, John's new White Bear Rich. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, he's yeah. not old white bear rich. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Tell me, tell John's me, what, not, John's not mariner. John's just white bear. What were those places that the spur? I don't know them. What are where were they? Well, so spur spur used to be Manitou Station, and it was a gas station there. And we'd get, you know, I'd get fifty cents for cutting the grass or whatever it was, and it was a big deal as we'd burn the bike past the tracks. We'd hit the light, and we'd be able to cross sixty one couple buddies weren't able to cross 61 so we'd hijack their quarters uh buy a piece of candy there's a tax for being able to cross the highway so uh we'd we'd get a quarter and uh get a candy bar from them bring a candy bar to them um but that was fun spur and then beeline was right by saint mary's of the lake now i think it's pizza man oh yes um, i i do remember beeline it was a, like a general store or something right or like yep. a, yeah yep. and you could get anything in there i remember that yeah yeah Yep. So, uh, but uh, right now on my podium, White Bear Lake. Um, well, I, I do like Cabin Sixty One. Um, that's right. That's right down the road. Good yep. spot. Pretty good bar food. Um, if I'm going for a coffee, I really like the Anchor Downtown White Bear. Yep. Uh, if you're familiar, and third one uh, for dinner. Uh, this one has always been a spot that I like going to ingredients cafe. Uh, nope. I'll say that's where the missus and I kind of really, uh, we really, we really bonded at ingredients. We'd go there on wine night and it was before the kids. And, uh, yeah, so really an affinity for ingredients. Do you know Rebecca, that amazing woman that works there and seems to know everybody's first name, you know, the yeah. bartender, she is something else. I wish I could, she could, she should be president or something. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I just need that uh, energy. So let's talk a little bit about Cato. You're in, you're in Mankato for two seasons. Um, I, 
I don't know a lot about like what it's like, what's that city like? What was it like to play there? What was it like to be a, you know, a player on that team in that town? And I want to tie that a little bit to some of the, the connections you have now from that part of the state, but talk a little bit about Mankato and what it means to you. Well, Mankato is awesome. It was a blue collar town, um, working town, Southern Minnesota. It was close enough to the cities where you didn't feel like you were out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, but at the same time, you felt like you were away, or at least I felt like I was away. And, you know, in terms of being a hockey player there, it was great too, because uh, it was the only division one sport on campus. So we got a lot of attention. Um, the crowds were always really good. A um, lot of fun in that sense. And then I think because of that, there's a lot of support in the town too. So financially from businesses and boosters and everybody else, the, um, the hockey team was set up for success and it was a good spot to play uh, for that reason. Um, now it has, it does have the reputation of being a party school, <laughs> which uh, uh, I can't deny. We did have a lot of, we did have a lot of fun there too. And um, I was older as a freshman, so I came in at 20 and um, getting a chance to experience college at 20 years old and in the dorms and um, turning 21, being able to buy beer. Uh, it, it was uh, it was pretty fun. That's awesome. Did you. Um, OK, so you played a little junior, right? So you played in Green Bay, right? Yep. Yep. Junior. What, what was your experience like there? I mean, how did you obviously my day job is I'm, I'm involved with the USHL and and so I, I guess I'm just curious now, I know the, the group there is fantastic. It, obviously Green Bay is a great city being from Wisconsin, but did, uh, what, what was your experience and are you, are you a Packers fan now? So funny story. I'm not, I don't know how I feel about the Packers. I was employed by the Packers. You obviously know the rules of the league. You have to go to school or you have to have a part-time job. They don't just let you you know, play hockey and solely play hockey. So, well, well um, unless you're a superstar and I guess obviously <laughs> yeah, in your case, you definitely had to do that. Right. So I, I was an usher. I, I was an usher at Lambeau field, uh, which was really? a great gig. Yeah. So I only had to work like eight days a year and I could check that box that, yeah, I got a job, you know, so it was awesome. Um, but green Bay, man, I'll tell you what it was. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It was the tale of two years. My first year was uh, really eye opening. Uh, first time moving away, moved in with a family that was completely different than anything I was accustomed to. And again, that's a weird situation where I had a little Volkswagen Jetta and I just packed it full, um, said goodbye to mom and dad and drove out there. Hadn't met anybody. Um, didn't know anything. Just, you know, it was back in the map quest days too. So I had to have the print off my directions on where I was going, follow the directions on paper, knock on the door. Hey, I'm here. Um, that was bizarre. Uh, and really that whole year, the living situation was bizarre from the, my billet brother looking at pornography on the family computer and me getting blamed for it to, yeah, to, to the kid growing, trying to grow marijuana in the egress window. Like it was a greenhouse again, that one fell on me. Like I had done that. Um, so just different situations like that. And then the following year I moved to a different house. They moved me into a different spot. And then that, uh, that was a, a phenomenal situation with great people and, uh, I keep in touch with them. So, um, no, I loved my time in green Bay. Well, I gotta tell you, I'm going to be in green Bay in maybe a month, maybe that first billet house, maybe you could give me their phone number. I might want to check it out for a while. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Exactly. So uh, my, I remember like my first time there and I don't know if they're pulling my legs or not. Uh, if they were, I still don't, but I was trying to be polite. They're like, yeah, we're having rabbit for dinner tonight. And I was like, really? Okay. I've never had rabbit before, but uh, I'm in your house. So I'm going to try it. And I don't know if they were like chicken legs or rabbit legs. I really don't know what it was, but I ended up eating it. And then they're like, okay, well, uh, here's, you know, here's the 50 bucks or a hundred bucks, whatever it is for the groceries, uh, that the team gives us. So here you can go to the grocery store, get what you want. <laughs> I was like, okay. Uh, I don't know how to do this, but we'll try. So, but I, I did not buy rabbit. So I think I upset them a little bit. <laughs> oh, well, that's all right. Well, Hey, so, okay. You got any crazy stories being an usher at Lambo? There had to be something. Well, it was really, it was the easiest job there is. You go in, you check in, you grab a big yellow poncho and then you stand outside and then there's, there isn't like numbered seats. It's just benches. Um, yeah. so you'd be like, uh, uh, excuse me, sir, this is your bench over here. And then, you know, uh, every once in a while you'd have to deal with somebody that's taking up too much space. But, um, I, I really wasn't that good at my job. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll take care of it. And then I wouldn't take care of it. <laughs> Did you, do you have to um, lunch anybody? Do you have to toss anybody out? No, I never got the opportunity to toss anybody, but I think you'd like, you'd, you'd have to be pretty tuned up to get tossed out of Lambeau field, right? Like there, <laughs> there's a, there's a lot that you can get away with there. That's why it's God's country. Yeah. <laughs> right. How did the Vikings do when, uh, when you were an usher? Do you remember, did they beat the pack or lose to them? So I got, and I'm still upset with Marco Siki about this one. Um, he was my coach at the time. I got a home game off. It was like a Monday night football game. It was snowing at Lambeau. Uh, Whoa. this was probably like 2001. Um, it was back in like the Randy Moss days too. Um, so my dad got tickets and he came out and we went to the game together and it was like a seven, seven, seven thirty start. And, um, I call Oz and I was like, Oz, uh, my dad's coming to town. We're going to the Packer game. Can I stay out past curfew? If the game stays that long, he's like, no, you can't. I was like, what for real? <laughs> yeah. So he wouldn't let me stay out past curfew. So we ended up having to leave, which ended up being a good thing. Um, cause my dad ended up having a good time and antagonizing all the Packer fans. We were the only Vikings fans within there. So we were like, we were getting bombarded with comments. And uh, so we kind of felt like the, you know, that type of fan, but my dad reveled in it. And um, it's a good thing we had to leave early because we maybe would have been steamrolled in the parking lot. Well, I'll tell you what, it's happened to worse people. (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) So yeah, let's talk Mankato. I, I'm on the outside looking in, but it seems like there's this Mankato mafia of uh, athletes and people from there starting businesses. I know Thielen has stuff going on. I think maybe you're connected to him, Michael Jordan with Unreal. I mean, what's going on in Mankato where there's this, it seems like the guys that come through there, um, even yourself with color and content and some of the stuff you're doing, is there something about that school where, um, you got kind of an entrepreneurial gene down there in, in the Cato or what's the story there? Boy, I wish I could correlate it to something, but other than, uh, other than white bear Lake to Mankato, uh, no, I don't know what it is. I think they do have a, a good program for entrepreneurship, but, uh, I mean, uh, I didn't take any of those classes. I'm not sure about Adam either, but, um, no, I think it's just, I think it's a, a place that you go and you like, um, you learn to like it. The, the people are good. Uh, I obviously enjoyed my time there. And, um, when, if you get a chance to go back there, that, that's really what it was for me. And, uh, 
regards to what you're talking about, the, the business side of stuff, the chance to go back and give back to the community hockey, hockey from there and the opportunity there gave me a lot. So very thankful for that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Those are, um, Michael Jordan, as you mentioned, unreal, that's been a phenomenal little brand here, white bear Lake Mankato. Um, so, uh, Adam Thielen, obviously a nice little product too, but, um, yeah, I, I wish I had a better answer for you, but I just don't know. What, are you, what's the, what's Thielen's product? I'm still confused by it. What is it? So, uh, Adam and I, this is the way the story goes. Adam and I used to train together. Uh, he would be the, now I got it. I got it. This is painful, but I've got to give the football guys credit. They were there first. They work out a little bit earlier, a little more dedicated to it than the hockey guys were. Uh, but Engelbert training systems, ETS in Woodbury, Ryan Engelbert, uh, was the trainer and, um, Adam Thielen and some of the pro football guys would be in there at seven o'clock. And then we'd come in at eight, eight thirty. Uh, and we'd work out there. And at the time, Ryan just had the, the one gym and, uh, slowly, um, and even more rapidly recently, uh, the, the brand has grown and ETS has a number of locations. I think a dozen locations. All right. Yeah. yeah. And yep. yep. It's a, uh, it's a gym, uh, sport performance training facility. Uh, there's a handful in the cities. Uh, we just opened one in Mankato and in June timing wasn't great, uh, but it's still been really good. Um, so yeah, that's where that's at Adam and I obviously having played uh, in Mankato, uh, knowing each other and then, uh, the, the relationship formed with Ryan over the years of training with him, um, has developed into a little business venture. And, and really the goal is to, to give kids, uh, an opportunity to be better and maximize their potential in their sport and their performance. And is that, is that one of your passions? Like when you think you're still a young guy, you got a lot going on, which is great after hockey. What do you, you know, you think out the next 10, 20 years, what kind of stuff do you want to get your hands in? Yeah. Um, boy, that's a good question. You know, I get a lot of what, what does your future look like to you, Ryan questions. And the real answer is, I don't know. And I think some of that is because I played hockey, like, I could never predict what the future held or what it looked like. Like, I, yeah, I always wanted to score goals and win cups, but it just wasn't, it wasn't easy. And you just have to try to be the best you can be in the moment. Um, so is that a, a passion of mine? I tell you what is a passion of mine. It, working out and training and trying to be better. Um, that never felt like work. And I always enjoyed being in the gym and, um, and competing with myself and then competing with others while in there. Um, with that said, I think I made mistakes, uh, training my body. Uh, I, I've got injuries and, and things that, uh, I could go on and on about that are not important, but, um, if it, in some capacity, I can help prevent some kids from getting those things and learning from the mistakes I made, that would be really valuable to me. And that really, that's the goal of it. Um, at some point it'd be nice to like, if Mankato, if ETS Mankato has got, um, it's generating enough revenue where we can give back to the hockey program and we can steadily fund something there. Um, that, that'd be a, a huge bonus for me as well. But, um, yeah, really those two things. Um, I've got children now too. And, um, I'm, I'm in a phase of life where you try to maximize potential and grow and train and do these things with kids. So, uh, really it's just exciting for me to do that kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, that's where my head's at and heart's at with that. You know, it's so great to hear your, your passion and I'll just wait to call you maybe in 10 years from now when your kids have broken your spirit <laughs> and, right? and everything that you're happy when, you know, when one of your kids tells you to go fuck yourself and, and then you can talk about all the excitement about fatherhood and, 
you know, looking forward to each day. I'll, we'll, 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 we'll circle back in a couple of years and see how things are going. So I had my first moment <laughs> like that just, just last weekend. Uh, my daughter had a soccer tournament. She had played goal. This is the first time she had played goal. She didn't know what she was doing. Didn't know she could, this is, you know, didn't know she could use her hands, kick the ball, stay in the box outside of the box. So she's running outside the box to like run up and chase the play up the field. So I was just like, Hey Maggie, stay in the net. She looks over at me on the sideline and all the parents and everybody are there. And she walks back to her net lasering me. And then she just hollers for everybody to hear. Yeah. Well, you don't know anything about soccer, dad. And <laughs> I was like, okay. All right. So, all right. That's where I, that's what I've got to look forward to. Okay. But, um, oh, that's fun. So I got a question though. Okay. So sorry, Kinger, sorry for keeping jumping in here, but I guess I got a question. So you obviously, you know, pro pro athletes in particular, obviously they've evolved. Like, you know, you know, we've had Suter already on this podcast and he's a big workout fiend and stuff. Do you have any buddies of yours that are high end hockey players that just don't do anything that are just from the old school deal of, you know, I, one of the funny jokes I once heard about Mario Lemieux was that when he was taking um, um, training seriously in the off season, he decided to stop smoking. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I've always wondered, like, is it, is it nowadays are all the players, you know, obviously there's a lot of money involved and there's a small margin between playing in the NHL or the AHL. And I mean, is it, it are all these guys this way or are there still guys that are kind of like, Eh, whatever. And they, and they're, and they're still making it work in the NHL. Yeah. See, I, I, I'd say I'm a tweener and I'm kind of torn because I do love the old school stories where the guys would just show up and they could just play and they were good and it wasn't training. It was just like raw out there and it was talent. Um, and, but at the same time, I was one of those guys that needed to like work to be good at hockey. So, um, I gotta be careful with this, but, um, I think that the game has evolved it or sport in general to a spot where, um, and you mentioned it, it's about the money and about the pressure and everything else to where guys just, uh, it's not worth taking the risk of being lazy. Like everybody's working. Um, everybody's putting their time in. I think some guys are more serious about it, but where I think it went from a spot where guys would maybe quit smoking to be good to where now guys are maybe like, you know, it's just totally fine tuned where guys are maybe like, going almond milk instead of, you know, dairy milk just to, for that little competitive advantage. And, um, yeah, there certainly there's guys that were lazy and, uh, I would joke around with some of the guys that I played with early on in my career. I'd be like, you know, if you just put the work in, there's an example of a guy and I won't name him right now, but he would, we'd have workouts on the bike and he would work so hard to make it look like he was working hard on the bike so that the strength coach wouldn't come over and call him out. It's like, if you just put, the work into the actual bike ride that you're putting into trying to make it look like you're working, you'd be much better off in the end. Um, so there are guys like that, but for the most part, the game's changed. Everybody's really committed. Can you keep a secret? Episode three is brought to you by a couple fabulous sponsors, particularly relevant during this holiday season. We got to start with my favorite store in the world, the Minnesotan. You can find them at theminnesotan.com. They're open every day. They ship everywhere. The reason I like the Minnesotan is there's only one of these places. If you don't like eating at chain restaurants, 
Don't buy your clothes at chain retail stores. If you want a conversation piece, this store is filled with them. I'm a guy who likes to have a shirt at a party where people walk into the party and say, who's that asshole in the Joseph Technicolor Dreamcoat flannel over there? And then when they drive home with their spouse later that night, they say, you know what, I, I want to get that flannel. So the owner's big into nostalgia as well. So you'll see things like St. Croix Stallions, a defunct feeder program for hockey for Stillwater, the Fox and Hound Supper Club. This is the kind of guy looking through old boxes in the crawl space to bring you a line of Fox and Hound merchandise for a supper club that closed years ago just so that he can make you stop and feel something when you're shopping. And you don't find that everywhere. You find that at the Minnesotan. We also are sponsored by Softies. Softies have been on Oprah's list 2017, 2018, 2019, stay with me, 2020. When Oprah likes something, you basically can't buy it because it's gone. Well, she's liked it for four years. They make women's sleepwear, loungewear, and robes. So you know those blankets they sell, snugglies? You might give them to your college kids or maybe even um, a weighted blanket. This is that level of comfort in fashion that you could leave the house in. You might not leave the house, but you could leave the house. You can get that at softiespjs.com. And if you type in code FAMILY, you get 20% off. I'm going to read to you what he told me to say, just because he wrote it. When will it ever be okay to live in your PJs again? We're COVID forward at Softies. I love this. From the patented wellness fabrics spun into the DNA of our sleepwear to our versatile and cozy work-from-home lounge pieces, to our luxury robes that will envelop you in cloud-like softness all winter long, up your downtime... Every time I read that, I do it wrong. Up your downtime game. I don't know. There's a vortex there for me. I can't read those words. This is a Minnesota company, so Oprah loves us. We're getting a car. Um, They were born in an Edina basement, packed orders in the driveway for seven years before the neighbors complained. Get your wife some soft stuff. Christmas, Valentine's Day. It's good. We're testing it here at the household. Back to more Ryan Carter. I want to, uh, you mentioned injuries when you were talking about training. If this is right, you've had some, at least one injury that is one of the most exotic hockey injuries I've ever heard before. Is this true that you got hurt through that little hole that the <laughs> the camera goes through? Like I, I mean, you got to, I, I got to hear about this cause I don't even know how that would happen. That is true. Um, that one, that one stings for a couple of reasons. So, uh, the way a career path goes, you go from like prospect to player, you know, and at that time I was a, I was a prospect. So I was getting some pretty decent opportunity playing with some, some good players, Tamu Solani. Um, I think it was my lineman at the time that happened. Um, but yeah, I was just, I was playing the wing and I get a puck, I'm going up the wall and they used to have the, the photographer cameras and it was positioned in a really bad spot and it was huge. 
and now they've now made them much smaller and much more secure. So um, it was probably the size of, you know, a fist with a glove on it, but bigger. And oh. on the backside, there's just a brace. So there'd be a hole in the glass and then just an arm on the backside of the glass that would go down. Um, and really any pressure on it would break that off. So I was a lefty coming up the left wall and the puck came up slow. I got it and I didn't have a ton of speed and I went to go make a pass out to the neutral zone and the guy went to finish his hit and we're skating up the ice and my hand and his body cut in front of me and it just pushes my hand through the camera hole, snaps off the back and my hand was stuck in it. Um, and then my body and everything else just kept going, but my hand was stuck inside the, the glass. So eventually I snapped my, I broke my thumb, I broke my wrist, I broke everything in there. Um, yeah, and I, I remember going back to the bench and my glove, ironically, this is how big the camera holes up. My glove was still on when I got my hand back. So I skate right down the tunnel and I go into the locker room and uh, they're like, you ready? I was like, yeah. So I take off my, gla- uh, my glove and you can see my hand was all twisted and busted. And I started to get real sick. I didn't know that I'd be like this. I got like real sick. Like, I was like, maybe we have like, maybe we have like a granola bar or something. I don't feel so good. How long were you out? So that one was probably like eight weeks. Um, the thumb, the wrist, and then I could like the rehab just wasn't working. Um, and yeah, that one stung. And to this day, really, uh, I don't have like the grip strength from, uh, that my, my other hand does from that. But, um, yeah, that one hurt cause I, I was getting really good opportunity at the time too, to play with some quality players and, um, coming out of that, I just didn't have the jam. You should have well, played John, that. What's the way, John? You should have played that to like Aaron Brockovich levels and Ryan Carter versus the league. You rename the hole when it gets smaller, you get the movie made about you. Cause now they're really small. They're like, they're a little, well, John, John, the whole, the whole, you've been injured in a couple of holes like that, but they're more, more in bars. (laughs) Funny. Uh, Granola bar. It's, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because um, I, I broke it. I had surgery two days later. I think I was back at the rink and as I was walking in through downstairs, uh, I noticed all these panes of glass where they aren't normally. Well, in a matter of two days, they had changed out all those camera holes, um, all those panes of glass at the camera holes. And I was like, that's kind of fishy. Um, and then it was only later on in life that I realized like, maybe, maybe I should have taken pictures of that or done something about that. But yeah, that, yeah. uh, they were a little vulnerable. I think that's crazy, man. Um, I, uh, I do want to hit, um, one hockey thing just because it's funny. I was, I did this thing. I was looking at YouTube search, Ryan Carter, and then I sorted by views and, uh, you did the great undercover skating thing. Uh, there's a couple fights on there, both sides, winners and losers. But this brawl in 2012, I just wrote this quote down. We've got a lot of cameras. We're going to need them. Um, you know, Devils, Rangers, center ice, start of the game. Um, can you just, I, I just want to hear from your perspective, that whole thing with torts and uh, what was that like? I mean, it's almost WrestleMania level quality well after that a lot of the comments that came out were like see this is just proof that hockey fights are staged this is you know this is the wwe yeah 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 um i could tell you with all honesty that that's not the case i had no clue we were fighting um it is a long story 
um, three weeks before the, the Rangers had come into our building in New Jersey and they had started their meet. Um, and they ran around and we had Kovalchuk, Parisi, some other guys. And, uh, first hit to the game, it was physical. So we had to respond. I ended up fighting Brandon Dubinsky. I fought him, um, broke his nose or his orbital bone or something, but he didn't play a game again until that game. Um, so the way it works is we submit our starting lineup, the visitors, New Jersey to the Rangers, and then they get to put who they want out. And then we eventually get to see that. So Pete, because of how Tortorella had started in our building, he started the, the meet, the tough guys. Um, let me put the air quotes on that tough guys, um, <laughs> in their building. So looking at the sheet, um, my line mates, Eric Bolton, Cam Jansen, um, uh, I see Brandon Dubinsky. He's got a full bubble on. He's got the cage on. And I'm like, well, it really didn't dawn on me that I'd be fighting at all. I was like, I just, it's this guy's first game back after I broke his orbital bone. Like what kind of guy wants to fight the guy that just broke his face three weeks ago. Right. I didn't think anybody would. Um, so I get out there and then all of a sudden, uh, I go to take the draw and Brandon Dubinsky goes back to the point and then Stu Bickle comes up and Stu's like, yeah, we're going to go. And I was like, shut up, Stu. I'll get to you in a minute. So I start hollering at Brandon Dubinsky. I was like, you shouldn't be out here on the ice. What are you doing? Um, and uh, he, his tail kind of went between his legs. He's like, I don't want to be out here. Um, and then I started hollering at Tortorella. I was like, what the hell is this guy doing out here? Right? Um, he shouldn't be out on the ice right now. And then then the puck drops in. Uh, yeah, I wanted to win that face off. Uh, I've still upset that the stat guys gave Stu Bickle that face off. If you watch it again closely, I took two swipes at it. I won it. Um, Bryce Salvador is playing with the puck for the first 10 seconds of those fights. So we're pretty chapped about that stat, but, um, yeah, no, that was real. Didn't know I was fighting. Didn't know anything was going on. Um, but that, that is an intense rivalry devil's Rangers. And, um, that was, uh, as real as it gets. Yeah. It looked awesome. The, the sound of the crowd must've been people say that they don't want it, but when it happens, I can't, I, I had imagined it was electric in the building that night when that, so, yeah. So I, we played in the East finals devils Rangers later in that year. Um, and we, the, the Rangers came back from three down to tie the game in game five of the East final. And <laughs> excuse me. And that building was rocking. And I can remember what that was like. And Parisi was, uh, I was talking to him about the situation not long ago, actually. And he's like, you know, that fight, uh, where all you guys went at, at center ice, he goes, the building was louder for that fight than it was in the East final when the Rangers came back from three down to tie. He's like, I've never, I've never been in a building like that before. So, um, you're right. It was intense. It's, it's awesome. Um, Hey Tom, what, will you have any other, uh, anything you want to hit? I got maybe a couple more, but what do you think? No, go No, go ahead. This is great. Yeah. I, one thing I wanted to ask you, Ryan, uh, and I want to be respectful of your time. So you, you know, you're a Mr. Hockey finalist coming out of white bear. You go to green Bay and you really, you know, you put in, you're there for two years. You got over 200 PIMS. Uh, you play a rugged game in Cato for a couple years. Um, what, you know, was it that rabbit dinner that changed everything? First? <laughs> like, I don't know how at some point, um, you must have had that moment where you went, okay, uh, I got to recalibrate here and, and figure out my role in this league. And I, I would just love to hear uh, that journey you went on from kind of 
uh, prospect to being to being the meat as as it worked out right rabbit meat i guess right so uh it was really i, I think you got to go back and understand that i don't come from a hockey family uh really didn't have anybody to lean on that i knew um uh or that i could trust or that had knowledge of what I should or should not be doing in terms of being a player, trying to make it, whatever. Uh, so I put all my eggs all the time in the basket of my coaches. And, um, you know, Oz came and watched when I was in high school, I signed a tender. So I didn't have to go through the draft process. I knew I was going to green Bay. Um, he's like, you're the kind of guy, like, uh, you know, you're big, you're physical. Um, so I believed in, in Oz and I want to do what he said. And I can remember the buck, uh, the buck bowl in Des Moines. Um, uh, you go, it's the first tournament of the junior season. Uh, it's like exhibition games. Everybody goes down there and there's college scouts everywhere. He goes, he just stops me like on the way into the rink and he goes, Hey, there's uh he goes, I know, I know you play a hard style. Um, one way to stand out is to get in, get in a fight and play physical. Um, he goes, you can, you can stand up from a crowd and get noticed in a real big hurry doing that. And I was like, okay. So my first game, uh, kid, Nathan Fornatero, uh, he says, uh, you want to go? I said, yeah, absolutely. Um, so we both drop our gloves. I had no clue what I was doing. And we just, we just punch and we punch. And I feel my fist hit his face like so hard, like five or six times. And I don't know what I'm doing. I've never done it before. Um, to the point where I got comfortable and I start looking up and then right over my shoulder comes a big right from him. hits me right in the nose. I'm like, Oh, that was a terrible idea. (laughs) Um, so, uh, we, I end up cutting my hand and the tendon in my hand. He's in surgery after that. I knocked his teeth out, broke his nose. Um, it was ugly. Uh, but the bus is waiting for me at the hospital because I have to have stitches, all this other stuff. The tournament's over. We got to go, but the bus is waiting. Um, and I get out, and the bus is like, everybody on the bus is giving me cheers. And um, the following week, I go home, and a couple of colleges are calling. And um, I just internally thought, man, Oz actually knows what he's talking about. Like, I went in, I fought, I threw some punches. It actually sucked. I'm going to have surgery to get my hand fixed. But um, people noticed. He's right. People noticed. So um, that's, uh, I'll say that's, Oz is probably the guy that turned me into that. Um, There are times, uh, like when I try to smell things now, where I wish that maybe I had a different style coach, right? That said, work on your toe drag, buddy. But um, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish anything to be different. So like when you were, well, when you were at Wade Bear, I mean, you're obviously you're a physical player and you've, uh, you know, you were a good player in high school, but I mean, like, was that your first fight? I mean, when you go, oh, yeah. when you, yeah, I mean, so like you up to that point, you'd never been in a fight. I'd never thrown a punch in my life until that moment. Um, didn't know what it felt like. Didn't know anything. I mean, I had wrestled with, you know, your buddies in the yard and stuff, you know, over arguments and whether, you know, the ball went over the fence and home run derby or not. But, um, no, no, I'd never been in a fight before. That was the first, didn't know, didn't know what I was doing. Didn't know how to make a fist. I mean, it's natural. Right. But yeah, no, I didn't know anything. None of that. Um, all on the fly. Uh, but, and then, is, um, yeah, did you progress though? I mean, was it something, I mean, obviously, you know, you don't enjoy it. I mean, I suppose you could look at it and say you enjoyed being seen as a tough guy, a physical player. There's something to be said about that, but I mean, I guess, did you enjoy it? I mean, did you look forward to getting in scraps or was it more just, Hey, this is a part of my game and I got to stand up to it and I'm comfortable doing it. 
Yeah, no, the, uh, boy, at no point did, did I enjoy it. It sucked. Um, it, it also sucks. Like, I think, you know, in, in the, the way the NHL was played at that time, you think the early 2000s, there was big tough guys. And I think I watched the games and I realized like, hey, you, you have to be big and you have to be tough and you have to play a certain way. Um, that didn't, that doesn't mean that I wanted to, um, you, I think a lot of people don't understand like, man, you're punching and I'm punching a helmet more often than I'm punching anything else. Right. And my hand gets hurt. And I'll be honest when I say going into most fights, I'm more concerned about hurting my hands than I am about getting punched in the face. And that's the honest to God truth because, um, I need those hands to go play and I'd hurt them before. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to hold a stick with broken fingers and things that aren't working. And it's hard to play. If you can't hold your stick, you can't compete. And as a guy that had to win battles and do those things, uh, I needed my hands. And, um, I was always afraid like, man, I've got bird bone fingers. I don't want to break these things. Um, and it hurts and it hurts for a couple of weeks after you punch a helmet or a head or something. Um, uh, so no, at, at any point did I enjoy it? No, it was part of the job. Uh, I think you enjoy it after the fact when you stand up for a teammate and that teammate goes out of his way to recognize it. And even a small gesture of, you know, buying a beer or dinner or just coming over in the room after the game, when you're taking your sock tape off and saying, Hey bud, thanks for fighting that guy. Um, you didn't, you know, thanks man. Uh, that's when you enjoy it, but never during the act. That's, that's awesome. I, uh, I wanted to just, you, you had a, you know, I look at your career in the NHL and you had a couple of these little sections where you really had to run with the devils. You had obviously, uh, with the cup in, in Anaheim, um, and then, you know, with the wild as well. I'm curious if you, you, you had the luxury of going through the kind of two phases of the NHL, right. Where you got to see a little bit of the hot stove league, the, you know, the, the old school guys, the, um, and then you kind of saw this new generation come in where, like you said, it's, it's plant-based and, and they're playing video games with headsets on and, and they're not, they're not kind of the cowboys of the past, but they're still superstars. I'm curious in the, the run you had around with the teams, who were your all time, you know, beauties that you got to play with? Like if you could have a convertible, and you're driving to Vegas with two or three guys you played with who's on that list in terms of just good time. Um, you know, the kind of guys that make you miss the locker room. Well, so one guy that I always admired was team Mustelani. I mean, he's a world-class human, but uh, as a young guy watching the way that he was as a pro, it is completely different than what every organization tries to teach you. He is the last guy there. He's always late, but he's actually never late. Like, if, if we have like a nine 30 meeting, it's nine 29 and 30 seconds he's pulling in, but somehow he's like the Tasmanian devil and he can change his gear so fast and get it on and be ready to go at nine 30. So it's like nine, eight 59. Yeah. Yeah. He's in 59 seconds. He comes in, sits down and then he goes out and scores too. Right. Like it's, it was unbelievable how this guy prepared. Um, and then he was always very inclusive, uh, you know, had a good time, didn't take the game too serious, but always wanted to win. Um, he's, I mean, he's a, he's a world-class player, world-class teammate and a world-class human. So he'd certainly be riding shotgun. Um, another guy that I really loved that I played with in the minors, his name was Mike Hoffman. He is a tough guy. Um, he, 
uh, we'd call him the golden bear. He could run a straight line, couldn't turn, um, <laughs> tough guy, but he, he would do the weirdest stuff and it was just constant entertainment. So like, for example, one thing I'll always remember is he had a flip phone and, uh, he, when he was driving his vehicle, he'd put the flip phone between his legs, kind of right under, you know, right under his unit. And then he'd, he'd, he'd fart and then he'd pull his phone out, open it and sniff it and be like, what the hell are you doing? And he goes, dude, you ever smell your, you ever smell your fart from a cell phone? It smells way different. I can't get enough of it. <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about? So uh, oh that guy's stories oh were a dime God. a dozen. It's like he'd pick his nose and he'd wipe it on the bottom of his shoe. And he'd be like, well, where do you, where do you think that's going? Um, you know, cause he'd just be sitting in the car or wherever it is. And he'd be like, I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> it's like, why don't you just wipe it anywhere then like why the bottom of your shoe and uh so that guy was a complete riot um and there's more guys like that too um hard to say but cam jansen was a character um yeah and then there's obviously good friends i'd like to lump some good friends in there because i've i've got some good friends that i played with um that uh you know drew miller andrew abbott's another one um you know like andy green uh, Zach crazy, Mark fame, another good buddy of mine. These are all guys that played up along the line, but, um, in terms of recognizable names, probably Timu Solani. You know, Timu, uh, I was randomly in Laguna beach recently, which might be the, like the coolest place on earth. You know, my, my buddy's kids doing water polo. He's like, you were not a hockey family. He's got his son trying water polo, polo at Laguna beach high school. But I asked a guy from there, I go, what's the coolest like restaurant bar in this entire town. He's like, Oh, there's a steakhouse. Everybody in this world hangs out at Solanes. And I'm like, Solanes. He's like, Oh yeah, I think it's a hockey guy that started it. So that must be, <laughs> he moves. Uh, I mean, he's like James Bond too, right on top of it all. He's like the coolest guy in the world. Oh but yeah. Like he races boats, he races vehicles. I mean, uh, everything he does, he's got horses. I remember the first time we went to, so I was a rookie. He invited all of us out to his house and he's got a compound. He's got three golf holes there. He's got like a sweet pool. He's got a ranch. He's got horses. He's got sports cars. He's got motorcycles. What, what drew me, uh, was this little pond in the back. And he's like, yeah, you want to go feed the fish? I was like, you got fish in there. He's like, yeah. Uh, so he takes a bag of dog food and he goes out there and he launches a bunch of dog food in the pond and then like little vacuums on top of the water, a bunch of large mouth and catfish come up and are eating. I was like, are you kidding me? This is your own personal compound. Like you name it, you want to do it at his property. He was going to have it for you. But yeah, he's, uh, he's, he is an awesome dude. Yeah. He, he just get, he just get better standing next to team Mussolini, I think. Um, so I just had one more, I was going to do one more fun thing with them. Uh, Gates, I, yep. so I'm just, so I, I know you're, I see you kind of Ryan as a, a content guy. Um, I, uh, I wanted to hear, I've done color a couple times and I did it for the first time last year. And I had a really, a really good, uh, play by play guy, you know, that had done it for years. And he, cause I was really nervous about it. Like the second you put the headset on, it's not the same as watching a game. You just, you get kind of panicky. And he said to me, um, your job is just to watch the game for me. He's like, I'm, I'm following the puck everywhere. So all I, all you really need to do is just sit like you're at a hockey game and talk about what you're seeing. You know, if you think somebody's playing well, if you think, um, you know, the goalies 
getting too far out of the net, whatever you would normally say watching the game, that's your role. How, who's put their arm around you and how do you feel you're doing with the color stuff? And, um, how did you end up? I'd love to hear about your, uh, your transition to this new role. So uh, what I'll say is it's, it's really baptism by fire. I tried to prepare myself reading books and getting, uh, you know, some advice on what to do and, all along the way, everybody's like, well, you got to find out your own process. You got to do it your own way. Um, you, you got to carve out your own niche. And, um, I was like, okay, that's cool. I understand that. But can somebody please give me the nuts and bolts, right? Like I, I need some framework to work within here. Um, and the producers help a little bit, but again, it's just, uh, it's a lot of feel, uh, going out there, seeing what works, what doesn't work. Um, and, to your point too. Yeah. It was nerve wracking. I didn't know any of this stuff. So they're like, all right, we're going to roll this in. What's a roll in? Uh, what do I have to talk about? Wait, you need me to talk about this when now? Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. So let's do this. So a uh, lot to learn in that sense, but, um, I would say most of it is the, the learning I've done and the best stuff is through observation. Um, and understanding differences and strengths in some guys versus others in sports, you know, and, uh, I really try to spend some time thinking about like calling a football game or a baseball game is much different than a hockey game. And, uh, you know, the, the oh, downtime and yeah, the downtime, uh, there's so much more time to tell stories and, um, to put thought to things where hockey is such a fast sport. Like you got to get in and out and tell your story quick and be concise. And, um, to your point, Kinger, yeah, it's, it's saying what you see, but it's saying what you see fast without sounding like you're in a hurry, but coming up with something that is like valuable to the listener and then considering the listener, you know, like it's easy to take for granted somebody like, like you're at the bar with your buddies, Kinger, and you guys all know the, the same level of hockey all the time. Well, the consumer doesn't, they're not all at the same level. You might have somebody like my mother who knows very little that wants to hear about some players, you know, wife or how he just had a child and how they're responding to that versus, you know, this little toe drag he has at the top of the blue line on the power play. Right. So you've got to, you got to add all those layers. And, um, for me, it's, it's really just been more about listening to other sports and the guys that are good at it and how they do it and how they get in, how they get out. Um, but yeah, it's been good. It's been interesting. It's, uh, it's consumed a lot of my thought on how to get better at it. Um, not sure, you know, I, I don't get, uh, there aren't like progress reports. Um, so I don't, I don't get like reviews to see like, Oh, you're doing great at this. Let's improve on this. Uh, so it's all kind of, I feel, but, um, it's fun. well, the, yeah, the only progress report you'll get is if they keep having you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's true. Good. Well, but I also think, you know, I mean, obviously you're going to do great at it, but I think, um, you know, um, from my perspective, cause you know, j- listening to what John says too, I think what I really look at when I'm watching an event, you know, when there's an analyst, you know, who's, you know, with the play by play guy, you know, it's, it's, you know, a lot of it's the chemistry, right. You know, the two guys in the booth that kind of, you know, become comfortable with each other. And that's just like a teammate, right. It's just something that evolves over time. But on top of that, you know, I'm sure you're going to bring a lot of this to the, to the, to the job is, you know, fans are kind of looking from your perspective, from a player's perspective on what's going on out there. 
and and there's a fine line with being you know kind of too technical right to your point like some people right. kind of get the game and some people think they get the game um but the one of the guys that i really like it and and i didn't like him as a player um and um is tony romo like in a, on the nfl like um you know obviously he was a Cowboys, so being a packer fan i didn't like him even though he's from wisconsin um, but as an analyst, it's amazing to watch how he, he, he understands it so well that he's basically calling things out before they even happen. So, you know, I mean, he, he, he's an interesting guy to watch, but you know, you gotta be yourself, right? Everyone wants to be Don Cherry. Everybody wants to be Barry Melrose or everybody wants to be whomever. And I think the, the advice that I've heard good, good analysts get is that, you know, they just, they're, you'll, you'll just be yourself. Yeah. There's no question. So to, to your point on Romo, I, I've thought about that in hockey there. Uh, and what a lot of people say is it's great how he, he breaks down the pre snap uh, reads for the viewer and they can see it and it makes sense. And he's very good at predicting uh, what's coming. Um, that's not possible in hockey, or I shouldn't say it's not possible, but uh, the opportunity to do that doesn't come up often. You, you're, you'd have to see, some type of unique alignment on an offensive zone draw. Um, and really you're only going to have, you know, the NHL has rules on this. They want the puck dropped in like seven seconds. So you got seven seconds to make that point. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it, and it's, it's trying to figure out like, what is it that people like about Tony Romo and that, and how can you, how can you try to be yourself and fit that into hockey? Um, cause it is a different product in a different game. And, um, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, cause I, I enjoy watching Tony Romo too. Um, but Hey, Kinger, I got a question for you on that. You're, you're a marketing guy and an advertising guy. Um, I'll say Available. this about, about working in broadcast now is, um, after working in marketing, I start to consume advertisements differently. Like I pay attention to who maybe that's targeting and what the purpose of it is. And, um, uh, I think I do the same now with broadcast where I used to not have an opinion on broadcasters. They were just the guys calling the games. Now I catch myself thinking, okay, well I listened to that. I like that. Or I didn't like that. So, um, you find yourself doing that. Yeah. I, um, well, I got to tell you, it was, I was so excited to do color. I did a uh, Hermantown, uh, Hill Murray last year or something. And, um, and after you've done it, you realize how hard it is, right? Cause the thing I did, I wonder if you do this is I always tried to have one bullet in my chamber. I always wanted to have one thing I was ready to say, but the problem with that is it gets too sweaty, right? So you're watching the game and I got this thing in my head about a defenseman that happened. It's now three minutes ago, but it's all I got in there. And I kind of blurted out once we have a break, right. You know, and, and I think relaxing, like getting comfortable and actually acting like yourself. If you were at the bar watching the game is when it gets, when it gets good. But I, um, I like personality like, uh, was it Tyson Nash? I think does, uh, He's down in Arizona, maybe. I mean, uh -huh. I think, um, and I also think having your own, from a marketing standpoint, what's your, um, what's your like niche, right? So the, the one guy, uh, I'm not going to remember his name now, um, the NBC guy that's all about where the players played when they were younger. Um, Mc Pierre McGuire. It's just all about like, you know, white barrel, like he's going to pull some reference from the past, but people now know 
that's what he does. Um, my all-time favorite guy, and I'm not going to remember his name, is a guy that does World Juniors every year. Um, he's the color guy on the juniors, and he is so good with the – he's a bit like Romo where he, he's not calling pre-snap reads, but he, he knows everything about that American team, everything. And so he's telling you – and it becomes a – like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Cause he's telling you this defenseman, if, if the U S is going to be good this year, it all runs through this D man. And with a tournament like that, where it's so short to have a guy that just comes in, um, I can't believe I don't remember the guy's name. I'll send him to you, but he, uh, just, a um, I think having command. And so the only thing that helped me was, and it was unique for me cause I was just doing the one game is, it's almost like if you could talk to a couple of the guys in the St. Paul hotel from the other team the night before, or the commentators from the other team the night before, and you're getting that sort of um, firsthand stuff like that, that that you don't know, you know, if you watch the wild every day, we kind of know what we think about the wild, but I don't know what people are thinking about Calgary, you know, that week. And so that's all that helped me was I talked to both the captains and, and went through it. But, um, yeah, I think, I think figuring out your, what's your thing, you know, is a good thing. Cause at least you, you live and die by it instead of just right. like, I'm trying to be Tony Romo this week and I'm predicting action in a hockey game, which is impossible. Or I'm, you know, I'm trying to be Bissonette next week. It's, it's, it's hard. I think it is fun though. I'd like to do it more. It's good. Do you like it? Or is it kind of like, um, still stressful. I mean, is it fun when you're doing, you ever get done with a game and go, that was, that was how I want it to be. Well, I'll tell you that winning is fun. It's a blast when the game goes well and everybody's winning, but, uh, you know, I played with a lot of the guys too. And I understand that you're giving your best effort all the time and it isn't always pretty. And it's hard for me when the club or somebody's not playing well, um, for me to have to point that out and say it. And I get really stressed out if, you know, if things aren't going well and I don't want to be piling on guys that I I shared a locker room with, right. Or certain things like that. So, um, I I do enjoy it when they're winning. It is a lot of fun. And at times I'm, uh, I'm nervous about this because I, I kind of like, well, it'll be better when all my peers are through. Um, but I don't want to wish that away because this is really kind of a fun time too, right? To be able to call games with guys that I intimately know, right? And uh, tell stories about them. And at the same time, I'm wishing it away. Like I don't want to talk about when they don't when they don't do things uh, that they should or that I believe they should. So, um, but yeah, no, it is it is fun. Uh, I do enjoy it. Um, it is harder than I thought it would be. Um, you know, it's, it sounds simple. Just go up there and talk hockey. Uh, just tell me what you see. Um, and, uh, it, it is a little bit harder than that as a, as you've probably, you've come to learn, but, um, no, it's a blast. Yeah. I think getting comfortable with the silence is the thing I didn't have a chance to do is you don't have to say something every time that, that was kind of, I was such a spaz. I mean, I was just, <laughs> you know like the second he would look at me i would just you know blurt it out but i think yeah getting a little getting more comfortable just sitting there um is is probably good well that's that's harder now though because uh without fans in the stands that silence is uh it's i mean you can really hear the silence right so harder to lay off in that spot but it's brutal hey um gates you good on anything else you want to hit 
No, I think this has been awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's, it's been really, really strong, and I really appreciate it. You're an awesome dude, and uh, we owe you some beers or something, or at least maybe around if it warms up here a little bit around at Applewood or Jim Lake. There you go. And what is that? A double Bombay and nine beers at the turn? <laughs> yeah, God, I tell you what, I get so fucked up when I'm there. It's unbelievable, and and it's always the same. Like we're like, let's just do eighteen, and then we're on like the eighth hole, and I'm like, you want to play another nine, and then we. We, we go from that to whatever we drink. And then we go to Kazi's, which is right down the street. And I'm calling my wife to pick me up. It's, it's a, it's a twisted web. Have yeah. you ever had yeah. a hole in one Carter? No, no, I never have had a hole in one. Um, I've been close, but no, never been able to capitalize. And, uh, but that's okay. The pocketbook has been saved. Um, so there's that <laughs> silver line. <laughs> yeah, it's good. My, my son had one out at gym. Um, uh, it was amazing. Um, but yeah, I think that's part of the reason to keep playing there is get a, a lot more chances at one. If you keep, you know, hitting it at gym. Well, that's true. And, uh, I'll see what that be in the white bear press. Yeah, that absolutely. would be, that would be up here on the wall behind me. White bear press hole in one gem like hills. There you go. <laughs> still, you're still doing the hockey hair a little bit, huh? What's the, what do we, what do we got going here? This is the COVID look, um, you know, just, just a friendly reminder of how long we've been battling the virus. I haven't cut the back of my hair, just the sides and the top. So, <laughs> so you're letting people know that it's serious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And this is how long we've been battling it. And it's a reminder that, uh, you know, it's a, it's a war of attrition. It's a long fight here with COVID. Um, it's like, it's yeah. a long, long wash your hair, wash your hands. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank nice you so much, buddy. You really know yeah. you. And uh, talk to you soon. We'll see you out there. All right, guys. Thanks. thanks. Hey, thanks for everything. Good luck. Yep. Thanks, Tom. Take care. Yeah, bud.